Hello and welcome. It is the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson still on assignment. He's on vacation. I, I always like when journalists were on assignment, so that's what we've been saying. But Justin Ferguson taking a well-deserved vacation across international waters. He'll tell us all about it when he returns, uh, his, his adventures abroad. In the meantime, I'm Dan Peck. And Painter Sharpless, also the co-founder of the Observer, one of the one of the foundational pieces of this of of this fine operation. Painter Sharpless here as well. How are you doing, Painter? Doing well, doing well, sweet Dan. Absolutely. Well, it's great. It's great to uh, it's great to to hear you. And uh, you know, we're, we're trying to keep this thing afloat without Justin Ferguson, the captain at the at the helm, but. He'll be back soon, and and with a third microphone today that I think, I know, very exciting stuff we've got going on today because somebody, I haven't done an episode of, I think I've I've been on the radio with our guest before, uh, and and I've I've appeared in uh, in you know on on other on other programs, but I don't, we've we've never done one of these together, and it should be, I think it should be a lot of fun, Justin Lee. Joining us from the Auburn beat. Talk to Justin to, uh, for a Justin. That's right. Justin Ferguson, uh, unable to be here, but but we've got the Justin chair open and we found Justin Lee to sit in it uh, today. And and Justin, how are you doing? Good, man. Good. I'm just hanging out. I'm, I'm rewatching Man of Steel. It's still not good. I'm in the middle of it. Uh, are, are you I don't know a, why why do the Snyder fans like these movies, Dan? I don't understand. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed the zombie film. Uh, the first one from from twenty years ago, the Dawn of the Dead. He did sure the the rest of his the rest <laughs> of his filmography isn't for me particularly. Uh, but but it's uh, yeah no it's certainly he has Zack Snyder has a very specific idea of what it should look like when superhumans fight each other. There's lots sure. of lots of floating, lots of glowing eyes, lots of going through walls. It's really not my thing, right? I'm like just. It's, I'm just sick of, I don't know. I, I use it with my interns, like with Callie as an example. I use this movie where I'm like, get to the point. Like I, I have to sit through 20 minutes of Russell Crowe as Cal L. I'm like, Superman catches a plane. He, the 747, he's he's wearing blue. He has a red cape. You know who he is. I, anyway. I would have really. That's I what I'm up to. I think a missed opportunity. We'll, we'll get to stuff outside of the DC <laughs> extended universe soon. But, but. I think the missed opportunity was for for Snyder to just make a Batman film with Affleck. Like I kind of yeah, yeah. wish they'd done that instead of yeah, Batman versus Superman. Like, I would have just liked to, and even you know what, introduce the Will Smith character from Suicide Squad as the villain. So Suicide Squad makes a little more sense sure. because you know that way. So we're not introducing new villains and sure. in, in 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 a music video <laughs> in the first twenty minutes of Yeesh. of that movie, but no, I, I just thought that because because I think the the Zack Snyder stuff I've enjoyed the most over the last twenty years is the Ben Affleck stuff from yeah. Batman versus Superman, and yeah. I I would have I don't, I don't know I would have enjoyed a a Batman movie there, but let's let's move on. I'm just on a, I'm on a mini DC kick until the Flash comes out. You're, you're 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 seeing you're seeing Flash. I met Ezra Miller. I met Ezra Miller in 2010. Nice, oh, yeah? a, a nice, uh, nice individual uh, back then. I know, I know he's sure. had some. I know he's had. Uh, the, uh, they have had some trouble uh, in the uh, in the meantime. But yeah, I, I think uh, Flash. I hope. I hope it works. I hope we'll it works. See. I like. I like a lot of the individuals involved in uh, in Flash. I'd like to see them have a hit. Okay, so moving on from that to other stuff 
in the uh, in the news. And there's you know there's not a not a ton of like pressing. I mean, it's the off season, so we've got uh, we, you've got 10, 11 weeks, I think, till the the first football game. Media days is in about a month. We've had Ugh. new we've had news over the last few months. The transfer portal has sort of changed the. It's it's changed the cycle and, and changed the timeline. Uh, but I think the big story right now that I'd want to get your thoughts on, Justin, and, so, and some people might be scheduled out. Like, I, I understand. But with the Wednesday night primetime uh, uh, schedule unveiling on the SEC network of the of the 2024 opponents, now that we know it's going to be eight, uh, eight teams or eight conference games in 2024, first of all, I'd like your thoughts on the decision to play eight conference games instead of nine in 2024 and, and whether or not you think they should have figured something out. Sure. I mean, I, I get, I get that you want like a temporary solution. And I, I mean, I get that there's obviously an impasse there because if they, you know, it makes sense to go to nine games, but it also makes sense to ask ESPN for more money for these, these ninth games. So I, I get that they're just, that maybe they just want to stall. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested. I'm sure I'm, I would think that, you know, the, the Auburn will play Georgia in 2024. Like if it's a temporary solution, you might as well just keep that going. Right. Um, but other than that, and I think those would be road games that year. So I wonder who would, you know, who's the big home game. Is that it Texas or OU for, for Auburn? That would be the thing I'm most interested in. I, I think that's maybe the most, assuming they're not going to touch the Alabama and Georgia games and those right. will both be played on the road for Auburn in 2024. I think, I mean, they could decide to keep the LSU series going uh, to, to give Auburn a big home game uh, against LSU. But, but mm-hmm. I, I agree with the point you just made. I think it's, it's pretty important for Auburn to host either Texas or Oklahoma in 2024. I'd like to see a way for Texas and Oklahoma to play just about everybody in the league, you know, seven, seven for one of them, seven for the other, and then they play each other. And you you introduce everybody to Texas and Oklahoma, but uh, I hadn't Oklahoma, thought of that. Dan. I, I think I think that's what they should do. I mean, yeah. I know some some teams like A and M or Arkansas might want to play both of them. I think everybody of the existing fourteen, I right. think all, I think all of them should play either Texas or Oklahoma. So you, if, if you have no common play. opponents, that would mean Texas and they, OU together will have had played everybody all year. They would yes, they each yeah. somebody would have played either Texas or Oklahoma of the fourteen teams, wow. and then and then Texas and Oklahoma could play each other, and that yeah. would give eight that'd be eight games for for both of those. And I think either Texas or Oklahoma should come to Jordan Hare Stadium because because the and Auburn needs a big home game, a couple of big home games if you're going to send Auburn to Alabama and Georgia, and LSU could be one of those games. But but I think either Texas or Oklahoma would really make sense as another one. What if they? What if they? Georgia comes to Jordan here again, and they <laughs> they get the sword into the straw again after realignment. <laughs> I mean, that's it's yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, Auburn would be a, a back to back. Well, we'll see. Either either back to. I mean, because that would be twenty four supposed to be. Do, do you feel strongly about switching those back to 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 where to where it used to be to to getting them off the same year? I mean, it's, uh, it's home road. It's weird because now Auburn owes it to Georgia, and Georgia has everything going for it. You know, if, if Georgia was down, Auburn might not feel as bad about getting the flip back. But yeah, I mean, I I would think, you know, I, I mean, I'm a tradition. I like the old the old way was cool. It was you had at least one home big home game uh, every year. So if you could somehow get it back in sync, but I don't, I just don't know how how you can do that. Um, 
I mean, unless Auburn just bites the bullet and, and plays them on the road. I don't I don't think they're touching that. And I I, no. I like them if they're gonna be in the same year, if you're gonna host Georgia and Alabama in the same year, go to Georgia and Alabama in the same year. I like the games being kind of spread apart because there are people sure. who I mean that's that's really their only maybe it's their only two visits, you know, all season long and, and they want to pick their spots, you know, maybe don't have the games in back to back weeks, not to mention the the strain of playing Alabama and Georgia in back to back weeks for the guys actually on the field. Do you feel I don't know, people have people have talked about LSU and that's sort of a rivalry that division play has created. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. you feel like there's a game that needs to be on the schedule for Auburn after Alabama and Georgia? No, I don't think so. I mean, because, you know, before before LSU in the decades before it was Florida was a big rivalry and and Tennessee was another one that the old the, you know, a lot of the old timers want that game back on the schedule. So if you're getting either of those, you know, if you're getting uh Florida I don't think there is a uh a, a can't lose. I don't think LSU is a can't lose game. But I you know, obviously I feel strongly about Deep South Soldiers rivalry. I don't think that's something you just throw away uh just because Georgia's good at the moment. Um I think that'd be silly. And I, I wrote a column saying just if you want to, just play it as an on conference game. But you know, that got people mad. But <laughs> whatever. Well you know, if 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 they were gonna stick with eight conference games moving forward, right? I'd, that's that's I'd, what it was about. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love so. to see. Well, I'd love to see the whole conference play two out of conference games in that situation. If you're, sure. if you're gonna mix things up, but you know, so, someone made the point on the drive earlier today. Pretty much any adjustment you make to the conference schedule makes Georgia's schedule tougher than it is now, right? I mean, almost almost anything. If you if you incorporate more SEC West opponents, if you incorporate road games. At, or even home games against Texas or Oklahoma, it, it's a change from what Georgia is dealing with now, which is a schedule where we looked at it earlier today. I mean, they are mm-hmm. overwhelming favorites in nine right. of these games, and then the other three are at Auburn, at Tennessee, home against Ole Miss, right? Which I, I still think sure. they're probably pretty safe favorites in those games. I mean, it's a and, and they, I guess they they had never- Oklahoma on the schedule this year, but that got canceled. The home and home got canceled because Oklahoma is going to be in the league sure. next year. But still, I, I mean, pretty much any change to the status quo is going to make Georgia's schedule tougher. They never have to go to the swamp. It's a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> They've got it pretty easy. And and I would, uh, Doug Amos surprised me with this point earlier today from the Alabama side. He really wants Georgia on Alabama's schedule in 2024. I don't know if the conference is going to match those two teams up. But I see why they might. And if ESPN has some say in what these matchups are, I imagine ESPN would want an Alabama versus Georgia game on the schedule in 2024 if the conference can swing it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, well, ESPN was – there's a long list of what ESPN would, would like to get. So, <laughs> But, yeah, we'll, I, we'll see. I don't know. It, it will be interesting. I, I guess what we – they're not going to say the dates, but we'll just know the opponents. Uh, and I don't even. I don't even take know an if hour. We'll know the, yeah, I don't even know if we'll know the home and roads. Right, we'll just know which <laughs> which eight, which eight. It'd be cool if they said the four home and the four road games. Like that'd be, and it feels sure. like they could prop. They could probably figure that out uh, in 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 short time. But we're yeah, we're gonna know the eight opponents, and we'll, we'll see. Yeah, they'll drag it out like the Heisman ceremony. Oh, they'll there. stretch stretch it out yeah. for ninety minutes. Yeah, and lots of, lots of video packages about the history <laughs> the history of all these rivalries. Just, oh, all right. so so justin um yeah I, I thought the piece about the uh about the georgia game raised some 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 really solid points and and i'm i'm surprised by and i guess some of it's generational 
sure. the, the folks that are willing to just throw the rivalry away and not play Georgia anymore and, and say, you know, uh, you know, it's 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 not fun or it's it's too one sided or whatever. I I think it would be damaging for a, for a couple of different reasons. And I think it would damage Auburn's recruiting potentially in the state of Georgia for sure. that game if that game wasn't played, which is a point I haven't heard as many people make. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's a big thing. You know, someone said that to me on Twitter. And I was like, all right, it would. Yeah, it, it all just look at all the all the kids who come from Georgia and every single year we do, you know, the beat writers do that story of how important is this game to you? And they all say it's really important to them. Uh, so to have it, you know, to only do it, only go to Sanford once, one time uh, in their career, in a four year career to not play them every year, I think it would hurt. Um, but, but again, mostly I just, I just think it's important to, to, to set yourself apart. Because it's like, oh well, the schedule's going to get hard. It's like, no, the schedule is going to be the same as everyone else's in a in a uh, eight game what seven one model, right? Your your, your schedule is going to be the exact same as everyone else. Save you'll be a little bit harder because you have to play Alabama. Um, but then by the same token, other people will have it easier because they won't have to play Auburn. So uh, yeah, I, I I just think keeping the rivalry because it's something that you have that somebody else doesn't have. And I just think that's very important in 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 the world you're going in. At, at a certain point, you know, you could risk you know the bubble bursting and and dropping where you are as a program. I really do think that. I mean, people, you know, people took it the wrong way. I, I felt you know in some cases where they're like, oh, we don't we don't need Georgia to be relevant or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's not that's not what I meant. But you know, the Iron Bowl and the Deep South Solid Rivalry are two things that Auburn has that. Other schools don't have, so you know, hold on to it, keep it if you can. Are there any games you really don't want on the schedule uh, of of those eight? Is there a team you just say, "Oh, please, please, not again"? No, don't don't make Auburn either either go there or or just have them on the schedule at all. Uh, I don't know if, if somehow Clemson gets on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, the last couple of South You've Carolina, it. the last couple of South Carolina games have been pretty disastrous. Sure. for Auburn. So maybe maybe that's the answer. Actually, is is yeah. you know sticking sticking with Clemson. You know, it might it might be uh it it might end up being South Carolina. But but that's seen what, it already. Yeah, I mean it really and and that's uh I mean I remember there was talk that South Carolina like someone's when, when they were doing the three the three permanent opponents there was one one uh, projection that got released by somebody that had South Carolina as Auburn's third permanent opponent sure. after. Uh, after Georgia and Alabama, which matchups like that make me appreciate what the Big Ten is doing, where they just decided, let's look at all of the let's look at every rivalry in the conference and decide which ones we really need to play every year and which ones we can throw by the wayside and balance the schedule that way. Iowa's got three teams that they've got every year and Penn State has zero. Which right. I, saw I, that. I, I don't know. I, I, it never crossed my mind to do it that way. But right. it is true that a team like Alabama or LSU has more conference rivals than, I don't know, A&M or Missouri, right? So you right. could maybe ha- you could handle it differently if if you wanted to, which is, you know, I, I mean, that that's a it's a novel approach by the Big Ten. Right. It would be weird it, going if, if they go to the nine games and you have the three locked in. Uh, obviously, I mean, like the most natural one is LSU, but there's a there's a fairness imbalance there at the time, you know, in this decade. Who knows what will happen in the future? But, you know, you don't want to play Alabama, Georgia and LSU. You would have to have someone like South Carolina, uh, you know, someone someone who's not so good right now 
uh, would be what Auburn would want to agree to as its third permanent rival. But uh, I don't know. We, uh, <laughs> that would be strange to to see an Auburn, someone like South Carolina. I still, every time I look up every year and it's like, wow, South Carolina and Tennessee, these two teams, they just, they don't ever play each other. Oh, wait, yeah, they do. They're in the same division. <laughs> I will well, stop paying attention. That's the, the, a game the, I never watch. <laughs> the the rivalry I like is South Carolina A and M play every year because there was no one else across the division that made sense because it was it was South Carolina Arkansas when they joined the when they joined the same year it was like sure. all right well you you two play each other yeah. and then when and then when Missouri joined it was like well Arkansas is close to Missouri let's uh, match let's match you two up and so there's been this South, yeah, Car- South, Car- <laughs> South Carolina A and M game that's been played every year for a decade they should have a trophy <laughs> they really should yeah I, I mean it would be a I don't even. I have. I don't have the slightest idea what an A and M uh, South Carolina trophy would uh, w- would be like. It, it would. It's uh, yeah. that. That is. Yeah. No. no and, and and these are. And I guess Mississippi State plays Kentucky every year too, which I always forget sure. about as like their cross division rival. But I guess they both have a, an agricultural background. Okay. I, 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 I don't know. I'm really stretching. I'm really stretching. <laughs> that. There's horse, horses. Livestock is big. At, at, sure. at both, at sure. both programs. But no, South Carolina, uh, South Carolina A&M is the one to me. And and that that would be the upside, too, because because I think the other side, the other thing to keep in mind, and, and this is something I'm curious about when they unveil the schedule. I mean, pretty much everyone in the West has a rivalry with LSU, even if it's a more recent because of division play or what have you, I, I feel like almost every program yeah. in the SEC West considers themselves a rival of LSU. There's also Florida, who's played LSU forever, and then you have either Texas or Oklahoma. So it's like there's, if if they decide to do what I'm advocating for and, and put Texas or Oklahoma on everyone's schedule, it's like mm-hmm. there's nine there's nine or ten games that make sense for LSU, and there's only going to be room for eight of them on the schedule. And and you know that's where I wonder if Auburn is like the odd team out because they want to balance the schedules and Auburn's already playing Alabama and Georgia. Maybe it's easy to, to leave LSU off the schedule, but then you get back to, well, you got, you better have a big home game to, to, to balance it out. Cause if, if you take LSU away, like what, what's the home slate look like in 24, what are you going to sell people? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where I think it, it could be OU or Texas, but, but, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I guess I haven't thought about that, but you know, 24 could very easily be the, the first year without Auburn LSU. In a, in a long time, I would hope they find a way to preserve it because there's not really like a pressing. the The issue would be if you need to balance LSU schedule somewhere. I guess even Auburn's, but I would right. hope they can find a way with eight games and acknowledging. I think the SEC said in the statement from Destin they're going to try to keep, you know, they're going to they're going to prioritize rivalries right. as part of this. So I I mean Auburn LSU it's it's a more recent rivalry than a lot of the other ones in the conference, but so many of these games over the last 20, 30 years have had memorable finishes or they've had mm-hmm. implicate, you know, they've been important games in route to a championship. Like there's, there's reasons to keep that, that one alive. And if I'm, if I'm ESPN, I, you know, I suppose that's another one that I would, I would rather have than not have, you know, all, all things considered. And, you know, but, but someone in the SEC West is probably gonna have to get cut out of LSU schedule and it, and it could end up, uh, it, it could end up being Auburn. So we'll, We'll move on from from scheduling. I, I would like to uh, I'd like to throw a couple of questions at you that I was I was uh, sure. served in the mailbag because I always like to delegate work uh, to, to <laughs> folks and and uh, you know I could think of questions but come on some really good some really good questions were asked in the mailbag uh, this right. week. I want to say thanks to the folks who, uh, who who chipped it, including 
Justin Lee, who dusted off a chestnut about yeah. uh, about Auburn athletes turning into pro wrestlers, yeah, uh, delegating I, work or laziness. I just that, that I, I uh, just wanted your answer to an answer a question I asked Justin. Yeah, and I and I th- I hope I hope I delivered. I mean, I sort of I kicked the can down the road a little bit because I just picked tall guys uh, yeah. for you know, and, and that was you know that's Vince's uh, that's Vince's type though. Vince loves a giant, so I mean, it would there there would be there would be room there. And I you know what, since we're talking about it. Uh, Darian Goburn. Uh, the reason, part of the reason, this question was asked is because Auburn gymnast uh, Darian Goburn is uh, is headed to the WWE Performance Center. You uh, are uniquely qualified, I think, to talk about Darian yeah. because not only are you uh, something of a professional wrestling scholar, uh, but you're also someone who covered the Auburn gymnastics team about as closely as anyone uh, sure. this this past season and and throughout Darian's career. And right. so I, I'd, I'd I'd love to know sort of what you think. Uh, her prospects are of of making it in her new uh, in her new venture. Man, I tell you what, I and and this is something I'm you know I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to kind of expound on it because I, I've been saying on Twitter like I I think she's perfect for this. I think it could be. I think it, she could go as far as she wants. This like going from WWE nil to an actual WWE contract is a huge leap I still think if she really enjoyed this she could keep trying she could try to go to a wrestling school try to go to the Indies because I, she has this certain mix of of the athletic ability and the showmanship that is just just and, and I I want people to understand I I haven't I didn't rant about it on Twitter like I kind of wanted to but I, I just want people to understand that this is a rare compliment. Like I know someone replied and was like, you know, what else would be great. is like Dylan Cardwell. I'm like, Dylan is a nice, great guy, nice kid. And it's very, um, uh, very uh, out there and, and, and kind of a showman, but I cannot stress enough that I don't see any, I have never seen any Auburn athlete have it the way Darion does. Like I, I really, it's a very rare compliment. So for like such that like you know Suni's the Olympic all around champion. I don't think she could do it. You know what I mean? Like it's just a very certain mix of the confidence, the showmanship, and the athletic ability that I really and I don't think Auburn fans really understand would understand what a huge deal it would be for her to complete her tryout and to actually get like an NXT contract. You know, because you're going from sure it's 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 college sports is a huge deal and then wrestling is this niche thing but like man you dan you know it and and most of them don't though i mean that's it's a one in a thousand one in a million to 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 be able to 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 get signed i mean it would be it would be nuts but and yet that's my compliment to her i i could see it happening and and this is something i mean she's already gotten further than people who work for decades you know, right. in, in, in the industry. And right. some of some of that's because of an approach by WWE now to try to ra- rather than sign people right. who are working as wrestlers, uh, they're they're trying to sign charismatic college athletes with social media followings that they believe have some of the foundational parts of, of WWE superstardom. I agree with you I because th- I th- it's it's more than just athleticism. I, I think people think Oh well, well, she's a she's a great athlete. She'll pick up on it, and I, I do think that if she, you know, if if she takes a liking to it and decides it's really it, it's what she she wants to do, mm-hmm. she could absolutely you know t- right. take to it like a like a fish to water. But it's also you're right, the showmanship, the confidence needed. The the you know I, I think there's and and the I, uh, gymnastics I think presents a special 
blend of athleticism and and a special like right. Liam like a Liam Neeson right special set of skills you learn as a <laughs> as a high level college gymnast that maybe you wouldn't learn in in another sport even if it's it's physically demanding right. I think it could translate over it and and she's uh, she's somebody who yeah I, I think there's it, you're absolutely right I think to be bullish on her mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense not just because she's an Auburn athlete but because she really might have. Uh, what it takes to do this if it's what she really wants to do and just the nerves of steel that it takes to do gymnastics i mean the nerves of steel um and then she had she's had that i mean at the florida when she got her 10 on floor it was at the end of the florida meet this uh, insane spectacular meet uh 198s for both teams and uh it was just coming down to the wire huge pressure pack situation and um she just delivered you know when the, whenever the lights were brighter she got better which is some some insane you know insane some psychosis that i i don't have uh some ability uh to to just be better in the pressure pack situations which makes me think i don't know she could do it and you know if she doesn't take to it you know she could have her career as a dancer or whatever else she wants to do but i'm glad she's trying it because i i seriously i mean she's the one if if i've seen any athlete it's like she could do this person could do wrestling i mean it's her she's and she's the only one yeah, D- Darian, um, she joins and WWE's been scouting from all kinds of different sports and different ways of life for for female athletes lately. Uh, Lash Legend was a Mississippi State, she's a Mississippi State or AM. There's a there's a, a wrestler in, in WWE's developmental uh, who was pretty recently a, a college basketball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've they've recruited from the CrossFit ranks. They've recruited from the American Ninja Warrior ranks i mean women come from from all kinds of different athletic backgrounds uh and and in pursuit but yeah i think i think darian is someone who it's a story worth watching right because she could end up being and and if it if it works uh it you know she she could end up being one of the more prominent auburn athletes uh in in recent history because it's and, and as far as someone who maybe had it i threw cam out there in the sure. In in the in the newsletter, as somebody you know, in my answer to the mailbag, like yeah. Cam Newton seemed to have that unique blend of like it's it's hard to describe, and it, it I think this relates to Hugh Freeze and recruiting in a weird way too, Justin. <laughs> okay, you, you can probably decipher somehow, but it's I mean it's not it's not uh, you can call it charisma or charm or magic or the it factor or like whatever sure. whatever quality like the very best have that the thing that makes it seem effortless when you know how hard they're working like she she's got it you know camp cam had it in a way and in a in a very like it does seem like there are glimpses where hugh freeze has a bit of that magic too when he when he comes out and at least to me and i can i can see i can see where it when he's when he's in front of a microphone i could see where the uh where he's got the ability to charm folks in a one-on-one or private situation sure sure you know what's funny about Hugh? I think he gets so much of those cadences from I think a lot of the public speaking that he hears is preachers. So he sounds a lot like a preacher when he's talking. Uh, and I don't think that's any coincidence. I think he's just learning from uh, good orators that he has listened to. Yes, yeah, much the same reason I sound like characters from The Simpsons or <laughs> or professional wrestling professional wrestling commentary <laughs> members. Yeah, it's part so, of it. Oh, that's why I sound like Macho Man. <laughs> <laughs> Not, and I, I'd love to know your thoughts on how the first few months of Hugh Freeze's tenure have gone, because I was I was on a radio show earlier today, and I think it's tough for people who haven't been following Auburn all that closely 
to understand how different the roster is than the one that Auburn, you know, took into the Iron Bowl, or certainly the one that it looked like Auburn could have when the Iron Bowl ended. Right. And what Hugh Freeze has done, the way he's hit the ground running, granted, a lot of it's in the portal. And I understand, you know, there was a question about how how much Hugh Freeze is going to rely on the portal versus high school recruiting mm-hmm. moving forward. But the work he's done to to remake this roster, uh, it it I mean someone someone asked me you know if if it hadn't happened what kind of season would we be looking at right now and it's just it's so bleak to yep. think about like the path auburn was on yep. versus versus and what the last few months would have felt like versus i mean i guess you just saw it with scott frost at nebraska so it's not too hard to imagine but but right. like you it's 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 very different tonally than what it could have been had Auburn played this differently. And you know, I, I just think the uh, I'd love your thoughts on, on how the first few months have gone. Sure. So like you're saying, if, if Harson had like won that iron ball that went to overtime, probably goes to the end of the year. And then he just gets fired at the beginning of this year. Right. Like, like Scott Frost, like that's basically what happened. Right. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, your head. I mean, the, the <laughs> thought, the thought of going, because, because yeah. the, and, and again, not to take shots, right. That's, that's not, oh, I'll, I'll take, them, I know, man. I know. Yeah. I'll let you, but like the, I mean, what this roster could have looked like, maybe, because you don't yeah. know who would have left. Right. You don't know who would have stuck around. Um, but but all the graphs, to paraphrase Kendall Roy on succession, all the graphs were going down, <laughs> right? Like all, all of them were going down. And you just yep. think about where where this thing was headed. Cause, right. and, and it's not even about who was leaving. It's that you had no faith help was on the way no right, right. you did you just didn't you didn't have a reason to believe the sales pitch was going to land the kind of player that could dig you out of this hole no. and uh it was yeah I, I can't i can't even imagine what this offseason would have been like if auburn right. had waited i mean i think it there'd probably be pressure on john cohen right like if, if, yeah. auburn, if Fair, auburn yeah. hired a new ad Maybe. and that ad had decided i mean because i don't i don't think john cohen would have been able to even get that job if he said i'm i'm you know, I'm committed to keeping Brian Harson for years. Hard, <laughs> oh, hard to hard to imagine oh, that no. that that happening. But yeah, I just I can't I can't imagine what the last few months might have yeah. might have might have felt like. Well, you know, uh, a lot of John Cohen's contract is guaranteed too. Uh, but <laughs> which I'll I'll bring up when I'm evaluating Hugh here. I guess um, look, he's obviously obviously going to look great compared to the last guy. I think any confident person would. I think it's a pretty good. You know, if the plan was uh, for John to come in here and get Lane Kiffin and and, and in this timeline, in this other universe or whatever, that is not, you know, there's not going to be a Lane statue outside Jordan-Hare ever. That would have been a temporary agreement. That would have been a mutual beneficial to both parties for four or five years, you know, before Lane moves on. Uh, And I think think Hugh in the same way kind of fits this idea of he could bridge the gap between some bad times to, you know, maybe whoever that next coach is going to be, you know, who's your, your, your statue guy, you know? Um, and, and so I, I, I see it this way. I'd see it pretty binary that, that Hugh, you know, if he can make the 12 team playoff, I think he gets an extension. And if he can't make the 12 team playoff, he doesn't get an extension and he's, he's gone after four or five uh, years. Um now <laughs> these these contracts are so like we just got his contract and it's it's just so crazy these guarantees now I mean because he's seventy five percent guaranteed so he's got six and a half million over six years so it's like oh, basically forty million dollars and thirty million is just like a gift he gets to keep 
like it just cool thanks for like a signing bonus basically and he has to work for the other 10 right um, although he and, I, and I'll, I'll speak out and say he did sure. leave he did leave an okay situation where sure they, they were they were willing to pay a lot of money to keep him at liberty so so sure. you did I, I can understand how auburn felt like they needed to guarantee quite a bit of money to lure him away even if it's you know we look and we say i mean liberty just poached coastal's coach sure right? like they're 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 playing with you know with real money there to to keep keep coaches they want and so auburn auburn probably needed to but, uh, but offer offer quite a bit of money to lord hugh freeze away but they would like to think it's the second chance story and that's not a second chance contract <laughs> this is not a second chance situation right here uh so anyway anyway being a, uh, all, all that said and being a tough grader or whatever um yeah i mean his recruiting has been great obviously it's, it's gonna look great compared to the last guy but i think he has done a really good job. I think there's a lot of opportunity to sell here. So especially in the portal, um, you just, I, I don't know, I guess, you know, Kiffin is the portal success story at Ole Miss. Like, like, where is the, I don't, I don't know if you can build, you know, a championship team out of portal players, but obviously that's the, what you have to do those first couple of few years. Um, and obviously the, and the portal's changing every year. It's getting more and more. Um, I don't know. My, my, my question for Hugh that remains is he's got the the steak and potatoes like he's getting the solid guys but does he have the the pop the you know something flashy the sauce like a Dion would have you the, know what I mean yeah, that sauce, could, yeah to disrupt the fact that Alabama and Georgia are on top does he have this does he he's got to find that and and that's okay if he doesn't have it class one that's okay if you, you know, he does have the propensity for the upset, as we've learned, you know, at Ole Miss and at Liberty, or, you know, he, he has the ability, so he could get those, the big iron ball win that could be the sauce, right? That could be the recruiting, the sizzle for the, for the, the sales pitch on the recruiting trail. I just, I wonder, I, at his, his, this plan A, great. This next step, I think what he needs to be disruptive in the conference is a little more of that like sizzle and lightning and and pop, and uh, he could get it. Like I said, with some of those upsets, or maybe with uh, assistant coaches he hires. Um, but I think that's what's missing is like the big exciting five star because I think everyone's I think it's solid roster building right now, steak and potatoes roster building, which is good, which is a good first step. And the I mean I think if the if the offense can can look as explosive as some of the other Hugh Freeze offenses in the past. It can help the argument for those skill position players. You right. can understand you can understand why a, a pass catching receiver or tight end would be skeptical about coming to Auburn right now uh, sure. with, with with the way the offense looked last year. I mean, that, that's why not to shortchange anyone else, Peyton Thorne could end up being the most impactful of, of the transfer class if he wins the job and Auburn has considerably better quarterback play and i know there's a lot of other pieces involved in that that was one of the questions i was asked in the mailbag was you know what what position group on offense is you know is most important or which one needs to improve the most for hugh freeze to have a good year and it's you know it's obvious analysis to point to the quarterback but you know, i just don't see auburn taking a big step forward without improved play at the quarterback position. And that could come from Robbie Ashford. It could come from Holden Gurner, but sure. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm handicapping Peyton Thorne as right. the, as the pretty significant favorite to yeah. to win that job and play the majority. If he stays healthy, play the majority of the snaps this year at quarterback. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think Peyton's a favorite, but Hey, even if maybe if Peyton gets hurt or maybe if it doesn't work out, 
you know, maybe there's something Hugh can do with with Robbie. I mean, to make him a down if he tries to make him a downhill runner like Malik was, you know, if he tries to do something, you know, much different than what Robbie did last year, maybe there's something Robbie could take too. But anyway, yeah, no, I think I think Peyton uh is that guy. And I think he yeah, like you said, he's got a chance to kind of I don't know, set things off on the right foot for Hugh and and like you said, get get some people excited uh about about coming here. Um yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting. Do do you get the sense from from the folks you hear from that there's a contingent of fans really rooting for Robbie to hold off the competition and and win the job? Because I heard a little bit of that when Peyton Thorne committed to Auburn, and I, I just don't. Hugh Freeze can't afford to be sentimental no. about this, right? You can sell save that for the Hallmark Channel, <laughs> right? Because because this, I mean, he he needs the best quarterback on the field, yeah. Uh, whoever whoever it is, right? No, hundred percent. And I mean, listen again. Power to the players, you know, if Robbie's got to go in the portal, he can go. Uh, or if, you know, if they want to move Robbie around, they can move him around. If in this situation, Peyton's good uh, and it is winning the job. But yeah, uh, I mean, that's, listen, this is why, this is why, you know, the transfer portal and all, all these uh, rules were lifted and, and we're not sad about it. It's so, you know, somebody like Robbie could, could have another life somewhere else if it doesn't work out. Um, it's one of those things where, the, the quarterbacks are always going to be headed out or, or move in one way or the other because only one of them plays. Um, if you're you got a stack D line, you can still rotate in, right? But the quarterbacks don't rotate in. That saying that though, I could see them using Robbie in like packages this year, but uh, we'll we'll just have to see. Well, we and we we joke about that. Uh, other the other Justin li- likes yeah. to uh, likes to talk. I mean, and because there are there are. I mean, I I remember. I remember Tim Tebow coming off the bench as a freshman yeah. and and giving Florida a different look when Chris Leak played most yeah. of the snaps at quarterback. I remember Auburn trying it with Cody Burns. Tristan and, Cody Burns. Oh no, well, well Brandon. Brandon had Cody coming in and and playing like short yardage stuff his last year. Uh Cody Cody goes Cody scores two touchdowns in the game at Florida that that Brandon Cox plays most of that game at quarterback but they sure. went they went with Cody for like a couple of special plays that was all the rage the the you Man. know the, the backup quarterback coming in and and being like a short yardage uh short yardage runner or or a, you know the wildcat and a lot of this is Gus's fault but but this is um you know even in the last couple of years Auburn's had quarterbacks where you wonder like could, could they bring a different dimension if Auburn wanted to use them I wouldn't close the door on that with Robbie Ashford, I also wonder if 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 it's Peyton Thorne, I think there's a battle to be the backup between between Holden and Robbie. Sure, maybe. Like yeah. I, that's 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 an. I mean, again, not to shortchange Robbie Ashford because sure. he, he could he could hold on to his job and, and be Auburn starter. But I mean, it seemed like they were they were splitting they were splitting touches uh, between between Holden and and Robbie. There were times when uh, when the beat writers would go out there and Holden would be the first quarterback up. So you know, I I wonder. I wonder what that depth chart is going to look like at the at the beginning of the season because and and of course watch this end up being like Zach Calzada where Peyton Thorne doesn't mm. play a, doesn't play a snap all season mm. and we're, and we're mm. figure, figuring it out because because this time last year right. I would have I would have asked you an inordinate amount of questions about Zach Calzada <laughs> and right. then and I mean I I look back on God I probably I asked like all the A and M guys about Calzada like mm. at media at media days and it's like great job. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, and it wasn't it wasn't Zach's fault or anything, but yeah, not, I mean, just a I mean, from the from from the from the first practice, something was amiss right. you know, ab- about that whole situation. And uh, yeah, I mean, but but if if Peyton Thorne is as advertised 
I mean, I've, I've said it, I've, I've made the comparison, Justin, that his numbers at Michigan State, very similar to Jarrett Stidham's numbers at Auburn in, sure. in two years as a starter. And you imagine if, if there were a, if there were a quarterback like 2019 era Jarrett Stidham in the transfer portal right now, I think just about everybody except the team that got Sam Hartman, uh, Notre Dame, I think just about everybody else looking for a quarterback would kick the tires on a player like that. And so for Auburn to get a, a talent that looks in the neighborhood of of that player um, mm-hmm. is, uh, I think it's it could be a really, really important addition for a team that at, at times looked like they really needed to improve uh, the, the level of talent in the quarterback room. Sure. We'll see. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, it wasn't like Georgia and Alabama had offers for him and you know what I mean? I I don't know who Auburn, it it seemed to be a pretty good match between Peyton and Auburn. You know, I don't, I don't think Auburn beat out any, anybody great. That was, that was after him, but, but it could be a good match. And I I just think some kids, man, some kids really take to the uh, just transferring and and learning uh, just I feel like you, you you just gain a lot of life experience living in a couple different places. Uh, it happened with Cam and with Nick Marshall. Both Cam, it's like so he had the Urban Meyer coaching. He goes to Blinn, learns at least something there, and then comes here and he's you know just more of a. I feel like you you just learn a lot doing that, bouncing around a little bit. Some people take to it. Other people it squanders their all their momentum. You know, or it ends up like Calzada, where it just doesn't work out. Yeah. So I, it just depends on what 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 kind of kid he's going to be. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, and that's and that's not to say you're doing anything wrong if you live close to where you went to high school or you live close <laughs> to where you were born. But no, I right. I, I agree with you. I, I think there's yeah. there's a benefit to seeing some seeing some different experiences and 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 meeting different people. And yeah, I think I think uh, that's that's uh, I think it's solid advice. If if things. you're if he retains everything that he was coached up there, then he comes down here and he has Hugh. He's he's got two different coaches in his brain, right? I mean, if he retains successfully, well, you um, think you think about these basketball players that are on school four, sure, right? in, in, in the <laughs> yeah. transfer part. I mean, imagine all the coaching they've received and how and how it'll pay off uh, d- down down. The, I think Chad, I think Chad Baker Mazzara is is coming in with he's he's received a lot of coaching in uh, in in his career between Duquesne and San Diego State and my beloved Raiders of Northwest Florida State down in Niceville Florida uh, producing uh, Chad Baker Mazzara uh, for the uh, for, for the Auburn Tigers any other tra- any any other tra- oh Tay Waller by the way also Northwest Florida State uh, really yes yeah, yeah, that's, that's right I think we were I think we're we were still I think we were Okaloosa Walton County or Okaloosa okay. Walton Okaloosa <laughs> Walton College back then. We've changed our name, but it was the same, same, same school. Okaloosa Walton Community College became Okaloosa Walton College, became Northwest Florida State in Niceville. But yeah, Tay Waller uh, went there uh, back in the day before beginning his Auburn career. You talk about ahead of his time. Tay for Trey, man. I mean, you think about the how many threes a game would Tay Waller be shooting in today's game? Oh, boy. Oh, man. Man alive. (laughs) It would. Oh, man. It'd be great. He's but, still playing unless they haven't updated his Wikipedia. He is still playing professionally yeah. overseas. Sh- yeah. Shout out, shout out to Tay Wall. I I believe uh, Marco Killingsworth still playing. Uh, wow. I don't know. That can't be true. That can that, <laughs> that, that, that can't be true. I love I love shout out to Marco. Uh, but uh, but no, it was uh, yeah no Tay, Tay Waller one one of my favorites from the from the Lebo era. Tay was on that team that should have made the NCAA tournament. Justin, the one yeah. that the one the one that made a little bit of a run in the uh, in the NIT. Uh, but but it was uh, before losing to Baylor, who was on uh, this year's schedule. Uh, speaking of which, that was uh, that was one of the early uh, uh, Scott Drew successes in at, South uh, Dakota. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Auburn. Auburn going to the going to the Badlands uh, to uh, to take on the Baylor Bears. And what a weird I, place to play basketball. I, I'm, but whatever. I'm, I'm told it's lovely, and there's a lot sure. of tur- it, it, the fall is lovely, and there's a lot of tourism. People okay. go see the people go see the leaves change color. Like I think okay. it's I think it's like a whole thing up there. So I don't think it's Bike Week. Yeah, I, I was gonna say do it Sturgis. Do the Sturgis or the Calgary Stampede. <laughs> road Road Wild between yes. Auburn and Auburn and Baylor. This is this is another yes. that's another professional wrestling reference for for you kids for you kids <laughs> out there. Um, are there any other uh just briefly on football some more before we move on? Uh, the because uh, we were talking about that like five minutes ago before I mentioned Chad Baker Mazar's uh, <laughs> schools. Tay Waller. Yeah, before we got into Northwest Florida State lore. Uh, but the uh, um. Are there any other transfers that, that really intrigue you from this football team? Anyone else? We were talking about Peyton Thorne. Any other of the incoming uh, uh, additions from the portal uh, that, that you think uh, c- could be a really, r- really important additions for Hugh Freeze? No, nah, Peyton's the one, man. I'm a big picture, Dan. I'm a big picture guy. <laughs> no, Line, all- lineman, lineman, <laughs> schmineman, right? Like, who, ne- who needs him? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know any linemen in particular, but it's it's good for him to be uh, focusing on them. But yeah, 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 no, no, I mean, that's 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 where my head's at. <laughs> Big picture, we're global. Well, I heard Adam Cole for that, you know. <laughs> yeah, all right, I, I like it. You know, I'm I'm part. I mean, I, I've been partial to Rivaldo since since okay. they since they added him. I think partially partially that's just because his name's Rivaldo. Uh, but yeah. also, you know, it's, but even you know, I got to talk with Ben Igamawa about this and I know I've I've told this story on the podcast before, but but folks are going to have to endure it nevertheless. Like mm-hmm. you know, my my theory is when you've got someone who is relatively new to the sport, it's not my theory, people have observed this before that when you got someone who's relatively new to the sport, the upside is different than maybe someone who's been coached in the sport for 10 years and they they've got sure. perfect form and they've got you know, they've, they've honed, you know, maybe, maybe they've maxed out somebody like Rivaldo who who's, I mean, this is his, I think it's going to be like his fourth year of organized football, Yeah. Uh, you know, between I mean, he, he joined either his junior or senior year of high school because he didn't like his basketball offers and quickly became a D one player. And now he's, he's probably going to be the starting tight end for an sec team. I mean, that, that's an, that's an amazing progression in a right. short, in a short period of time. And it, ma- it makes you wonder where the graph stops, right? When, when, when it, where is the peak and, and what is it going to look like? Because somebody like that, especially with the athleticism he's already got, like this is, I mean, th- that could, that could be a really important uh, move by Hugh Freeze to, to land Rivaldo, who, who was, uh, who was sought after by a couple of teams right. in the portal after the year he had at FIU. Being a, a SEC biased person, it would probably be that, that linebacker from LSU, um, you know, because I look at these other guys, I'm like, ah, oh, Tulsa, come on. But that's <laughs> that's my bias and my weakness. <laughs> I mean, the, the the group of five, it's not, it's not a. I'm I'm employed by Troy. We're not gonna the group the group of five. Like I I understand. Like you probably don't want to be building your roster for a Power Five conference team. Sure. Entire like you don't want to only fish in that pond. But there are some. You gotta I mean, find the gems. Yeah, you, yep. you find the right ones, and, and I think. uh you know, a player like yeah, a player like Rivaldo. I'm, I mean, USF has been one of the worst teams in the bowl subdivision mm-hmm. over the last two or three years. I don't think it was Brian Batiste's fault. No, right? like, I, like I, I, I think <laughs> no. he could he could still he could still be like a, a piece that you know, right. depending on how they decided to deploy these running backs. You know, right. Brian Batiste is is somebody who, I mean, it's it's hard not to think about the undersized complement back that Auburn's had. 
before I, I mean, God, McCaleb was so electric oh, in, in those, in those first couple of years. And, and Auburn's had, you know, pieces that could, that could, I mean, even Shivers had, had his moments uh, sure. you know, in, in, in the last couple of seasons. I know those weren't exactly the same type of back, but that's, uh, you know, the, the possibility of adding a home run hitter like Brian Battee. And you, you mentioned the SEC. Uh, I think you got, you got a, uh, you got you got keys and you've got uh, Justin Rogers, Justin right? the, Rogers the, the, yeah. the defensive lineman from Kentucky and right. you know you you were you were talking about Peyton Thorne's offers Justin Rogers is a player that did have an Alabama offer there you and, go. And, and Auburn beat him out and so you, you know you don't want to only measure it on did Alabama or Georgia want him but <laughs> right. when Ala- but when Alabama or Georgia wants him it's a pretty serious endorsement of what the guy might be capable of and they don't they don't shop for that many transfers so no. for, for you know for someone to come in, I mean Justin Rogers, that that was a I mean that was a big get, uh, not not just not just because of his dimensions, but because of uh, uh, because of what he's accomplished uh, in, in the last couple of seasons at Kentucky, and for an Auburn team that had real defensive line depth problems last year, and and times where I think there were a couple of games where only three defensive linemen or four defensive linemen participated at all, like that's. I, I mean that 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 is uh, suicidal in the conference, yeah. right? I mean you can't go against you can't go against Arkansas or Ole Miss or Mississippi State with 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 a, a tiny rotation at defensive line. And Auburn has gone out and got several of these players, including uh, including Justin Rogers. Right, right, yeah. No, the components are here. It's 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 a really good it's a good class. It's really good, especially for first class, especially for a coach who just got here in November. Uh, it, it's really good. All right, so so moving to uh, moving to basketball briefly before we hey uh, b- before we let you go because that's another that's another team that has been pretty drastically remade over the last few months. You think about the team Auburn took into the NCAA tournament. Uh, next year's team won't have. I mean, Zepp Jasper was out of eligibility, uh, but Alan Flanagan, who played a lot of minutes last year, moves on. Wendell Green, who handled point guard duties uh, all all season for most of the last two years. Uh, is is gonna is gonna move on as well. Auburn's got to figure out a way to really remake the backcourt. They've brought in Denver Jones. They've brought in uh, Chad Baker, Mazzara, and Chaney Johnson. Some guys to play uh, the three. Uh, they've got some guards left over, and they've got Aiden Holloway uh, coming in. Uh, the, the five star. What what do you think of the offseason that the basketball team has had, and what Bruce Pearl uh, has uh, has been able to do? It was about to be surprisingly dire if Janai stayed in. Uh, it was about to be uh, dire in a way we didn't expect. I, th- I think, I feel that, I, I would think that's it would have been a pretty bleak outlook uh, if, if Janai stayed pro. So, I mean, that's a big get. It's a big get to get him back, and and all of a sudden, I mean, there you are. You're looking, you're trying to, to finish uh, top five in the SEC again. I mean, I think they're capable of that uh, as long as you get your backcourt figured out. Um, uh, you know, try to try to accentuate your positives and try to, you know, Wendell Allen, great players, but also, you know, maybe maybe you got some more size in the backcourt and and can just change things up, change your chemistry. Uh, doing doing year three of 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 what you had, uh, you know, you might have been stagnant at that point. So I mean, there are th- there are you know, in the in that there is change. There's some things to be excited about, but. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just getting to an eye back. And I mean, he could be, if he improves or even just stays as, as good as he was, he could be a really great SEC player again. Um, and and uh, here, here they are again, you know, Pearl's building, it seems like. But at the same time, I could totally see them finishing top five in the SEC 
or top four and getting a good seat at the tur- SEC tournament. What What do you think are the most like what are the most concerning things about losing Wendell and Zepp and Allen? What What are some things that Auburn need, needs to find a way to replace? Because I know I hear from folks that are optimistic about the season, and I understand optimism sure. about this season about about everything uh, everything that the new the, the new players at the one and the two and the three bring to the table. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if if enough time is spent on what the outgoing players brought to the table and what Auburn maybe stands to lose with Wendell Zepp and Allen. Uh, moving on right I think you could have taken for granted uh especially at the end of games there would be this lineup where it's like Wendell Zepp Katie Allen Jalen like like five players who have just played a ton of college basketball and they would close out the game for the last two minutes and 30 uh because they knew what they were doing they're extremely experienced players um and now you know you ain't got that so and and maybe maybe uh the inexperienced uh, backcourt could could still hold up, you know, on the defensive side, and 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 still hold up in these high pressure. Here we are talking about pressure pack situations and, and nerves of steel again. Uh, you got to throw them out there and see. Um, but you know, what we just saw it with with Johan. It's like you know, who who knows what what's going to happen with you know someone who's young or or inexperienced. So, um, yeah, I think that would be maybe something that could have been taken for granted or something to worry about is like, there were, there were just times where Bruce could go, okay, just get the players out there, get the, get the guys who've been playing college basketball for four years out there. They, they're going to know what to do. Um, doesn't have that luxury anymore. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if that hurts them. And, but you know, maybe that could only hurt them in one or two games and it not be that big of a deal. Right. And, and Aiden Holloway coming in with, with his own skill set, but not, you know, he, he's lacking the experience in right. college basketball. Uh, Trey Donaldson played here and there last right. season, but, but you know, I, I think he's still got experience to gain on the court. And then at the, at the two, you would think there's Denver Jones and Katie Johnson, who are both fairly seasoned college basketball players, even if Denver's coming in from a mid-major and getting his first taste of SEC action. But yeah, how Bruce decides to deploy, I guess, it's, you know, especially those four guards, right? Like what the split looks like, Who's out there more than others? Like you know, how we decide is it is it, is it game to game? Uh, right. Is there? I mean, the the competition between Aiden and Trey. You know, one would think that they're going to be battling for a lot of the same minutes. And then at the two, uh, you you've got somebody who's played as much as KD uh, as an option along with Denver. Right. Right. Yeah. I, we'll just have to see what 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 comes of it and and who blends well. Um, but I yeah, like I I, I don't want to. I don't want to fail to compliment uh, Wendell, who's a great player, and Allen, tremendous basketball player, uh, who's going to be around the game for as long as he wants. Um, but at the same time, uh, you got your chance to try something new. Like, hey, maybe the mixture that you had just isn't working um, to, to quite, you know, to create quite the spark that that you would want. So, so try a new mixture, you know. Um, so uh, we'll see. And, and on the Janai front, like I, I agree, Auburn dodged a bullet. Yeah. Janai Broom deciding to drop out of the draft and come back. At the same time, th- there there have been more bigs switching teams in the last two weeks or so since the since the NBA draft deadline ended mm-hmm. than I expected. Arthur Kaluma is uh, the the Creighton big that was looking at Kentucky and Alabama. He's going to Kansas State. Alabama just uh, you know earlier today there was news that I think it's the, the guys from North Dakota. Uh, Grant Grant Nelson was one of the 
uh, one of the top forwards in the portal. He's going to Alabama. There's a Sunbelt forward who has, you know, 20 and 10 last year for Louisiana, who I think he's, I think he sees an opportunity because Kentucky is looking for forwards and he's thinking, you know, maybe in my final year of college basketball, I can, uh, I can go to Rupp Arena and have a, uh, you know, have, have a solid go round, but my, I, I, you don't want to be in a position. You don't want to be scrambling no. to find rim protection right now. And for Auburn to, to be able to uh, retain Janai broom services is uh, yeah, that that's a, that's a huge get for Bruce. Yeah. And I just think he played really well last year. I'd, I'd be excited, interested to see uh, how he grows and has another year of SEC experience under his belt and just see how he does. I, I just think he played really well last year. Yeah, what what the uh, and, and I'm curious, you know, what the NBA was telling him to work on, or, or what what scouts sort of think mm-hmm. of his game. But I mean, the the defense around the rim and the the shooting towards the end of the season were some were some weapons, and and he also was such a big part of Auburn's rebounding on yeah. on both sides of the floor. Just I mean, to to pull to pull that piece away uh, would have uh, would have been pretty damaging unless Auburn had some moves to make in the portal. Uh, that, that we'll never know about because Janai Broom decided to come back to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Another, another. We'll see. Another interesting go around. That's that's right. I can't can't wait to see what it looks like with uh, with Janai's uh, uh, second and and maybe final season uh, there at uh, at Auburn. And like we were saying, some some interesting some interesting games on the schedule. I mean, there's the Baylor game up in uh, South Dakota. I, I believe. USC is expected to oh, yeah. uh, m- m- make a visit, which will yes. be Brawny. I mean, between Bronny and uh, DJ Rodman and mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah Collier, who was the number one player on a couple of recruiting services. I think some someone reclassified and now Collier is two in these yeah. in these services. But Isaiah Collier was the number one player in the class of 2023 for most of the recruiting cycle. And those three players playing at USC together. And yeah. I saw. I think it was uh, CBS Sports that that had USC in their preseason top ten, uh, largely based on the excitement of of those. And Andy Enfield signed some other players too, but that that'll be one of the bigger at a conference games that Neville Arena has ever hosted. I mean, I think I'm, yeah. I'm guessing Washington would maybe. I'm trying to think of like the biggest at a conference game that's ever been played. I know Washington was ranked when they when when they came to Auburn. Um, I, I, I think was it was it OU. After they had beaten Kentucky and they just needed to like beat OU to to get that number one ranking, maybe you know maybe the stakes would be such that I remember that being a big atmosphere. But I don't. I don't that was just SEC Big Twelve challenge. Yeah, uh, but thinking, they weren't that good. I think it was just a, uh, trying to get that ranking. Did Syracuse come to Auburn? Am I remembering? Was there a, was there a Syracuse game? I, I don't know. There's the there's but it, it feels like Auburn USC would would be if it's it'll be the biggest at Neville. It'd be the biggest and and yeah. I um I it saw. Is. I saw a story where Chris Beard is uh, talking about trying to play a game at at Ole Miss's old arena, like doing mm. a throwback night and breaking out the tad pad uh, for a uh, for a game. I look Please. if it's if it's feasible, I think a I think a throwback night at Beardy's Coliseum would be awesome. That'd be like, I I think if Auburn could make it, I if I know there's hurdles, sure. Um, I think a throwback night at Beardy's Coliseum would be so, and, and maybe not for USC. Although I think you'd sell the extra couple thousand tickets yep. if 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 USC was coming to town and you move that game from Auburn Arena from Neville Arena to Beardy's Coliseum. Uh, but I I would love to see Auburn find a way. I guess maybe it would be tougher with conference play. I I don't even know if that's true, or maybe they could move a conference game uh, sure. to, to the to the alternate gym. Uh, but that especially, I mean, if you're going to keep the building up. 
Like, right. you know, let's 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 break it out every once in a while. I'd at love to, I'd love a throwback game at Beard Eves. Have uh have the the TBT guys can can play there. Have uh have a little war ready. Have a little game over there. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, outside of college basketball, I mean, all, oh, there's all kinds of events you could have, you could do AEW Dynamite. <laughs> hey, you book a Dynamite at Beard Eves Coliseum for all. Bring it years. on. We'll uh, be or, there. Or Collision. You know, you could do a Collision taping. But but there's uh, uh no, I, I think a a basketball game at Beard Eves would be. I, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be something to see, and they've done a good job keeping the court in uh, in, in good order. I was in Beardies like a, a couple of weeks ago, and and yeah. it's uh, I think uh, wheelchair teams snuck in. There, yes, right? the, the, the yes, yeah. the wheelchair team uses the uh, use the court. It's still open for uh, uh, for exercisers and uh, and and people who who want to yeah. walk the uh, walk the concourse and the stairs and stuff. But but no, I think uh, I saw I saw that story about Chris Beard maybe doing a, a throwback night uh, with with Ole Miss, and they've. Yeah, we, you know, we had um, we had Blake on the show the uh-huh. other day and Blake has Ole Miss as one of the top two or three teams in the league right okay. now. I think he's a little more bullish on Ole Miss than some other folks. But that's, you know, I, I think I'm a, a, in a conference where a lot of people have been busy in the transfer portal. Chris Beard has taken, including Alan Flanagan, uh, who's, right. who's coming in from from Ole Miss or coming in from Auburn to Ole Miss. Uh, he's uh, he's done a good job building a, uh, a, a roster that, that can maybe compete. Uh, with the rest of the SEC more than Ole Miss did last year. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And, I mean, good for Allen if it ends up being a, a good spot for him. Um, you know, I wonder if they're going to sell – going back to USC. I wonder if they'll sell out the Academe, and I wonder how many times that happens. I mean, they will sell out the Academe, surely. What, what, one and, would, Alabama one State. would think. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that, I mean, that's going to be – I mean, Bron- Bronny J. I wonder if LeBron's going to go to that game. <laughs> Come I, on. I, I wonder if I, I wonder Come on, if, LeBron. I wonder if LeBron decides to check it out. I you saw know, the Harlem Globetrotters in the Academe one time. I I've, I've never been to the Academe. I've yeah. called. I've called an Alabama State game at Troy women's okay. basketball, but I but I have not. I, I I don't think we've ever made a a return. Yeah. A return visit, but you know, I was I was at uh, the uh, Troy Alabama game at Riverwalk a couple of weeks ago in Montgomery. I mean, downtown Montgomery has yeah. some some really nice spots to it now. I mean, there's there's um, I, I still have not been uh, to the museum uh, yet, but I, 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 I'm meaning to go and I promise I'm going to go by the end of the summer. Yeah. Uh, but they've uh, I mean, th- yeah, what, what they've been able to do, it's just it's uh, as someone who remembers, I mean, uh, dri- yeah. driving through their pre biscuits, right? right like right. it's it's I mean, it's 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 really impressive. Yeah. Riverwalk and the biscuits did. Did, did a lot and uh yeah in the last 20 years it's, it's really it's really blown up it's really it's really wild that usc is going to play yeah at, at alabama state and at How, I mean, yeah i mean that that it made sense to add auburn to the schedule so you get something out of that trip uh but yeah auburn i guess is the benefactor benefactor of that but yeah i mean i, I would love to see that environment at, at and i'll probably maybe i'll go i don't know we'll see it's right down the road now is it, Bless is the credentials, it see what's up is it possible that I mean, I mean, you made you made reference to Auburn being sort of added on. I mean, they did schedule a home and home with USC. I, I guess because Auburn went to USC last year, but I guess that that was all because that USC was already coming to Alabama. Like I that, think, that, yes. that would make sense that that, yes. that it's you know sort of like this is a this is a byproduct of USC making the trip uh, yes. to, uh, to to go to uh, to Montgomery. And there's and some kind of Alabama State. There was some kind of contract for dangling with this this baseball series that that happened also mm-hmm. that. This game and Brent Crouch's buyout apparently all like rolled into one. There was some Brent Crouch's buyout from USC was cheaper. The volleyball coach was cheaper because they agreed to do some of these games, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, somehow, somehow I was involved in that. 
but but yeah, it was you know the Pac-12 had decided to highlight HBCUs by scheduling X amount of games, including playing at them. So it made obvious sense that USC wanted to get one more game out of that plane ride. Um, and then Auburn was able to do their return trip to Washington and USC together. So I think it was just those two wants came together to where it worked out last year. Yeah, Alabama State, I believe, played an out-of-conference football game at UCLA uh, in, in yeah. one, of, one, one of the last two seasons also because there, there aren't that many – there aren't that many uh, uh, FCS versus Pac-12 games. Like I think they're they're sort of discouraged uh, now. Like the, you know, especially with the Pac-12 only playing three out of conference games and a nine game schedule. But they, I think, yeah, they've made some uh, some exceptions and and some some attempts to, uh, to to reach out to HBCUs and play some of those games. And so yeah, yeah, Alabama State with with D Davis uh, hey. went to uh, went to uh, UCLA uh, either either last year or two years ago. I forget exactly when that came. Was, yeah, uh, was was played but anyways justin uh yep. we have uh we have we have torn through with with minimal nonsense <laughs> we have torn we have torn through i mean i guess there was that whole zach zach snyder thing we'll at, do at more the, nonsense at, next at time the beginning. but yeah no we, we've torn through with uh with with minimal nonsense and i guess we could have we could have nonsensed it up on the uh hey where are you on where are you on live action remakes of disney films <laughs> I, I well, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, how much of it is even live action? Because most of it's CGI. Uh, I didn't go see Little Mermaid. I thought that like that's one of those movies where it just seems like not well lit. Like I don't want to go in the theater and squint. Like I'm looking at this trailer. I'm like, do I have to? It's just dark under the water. All, you know what I mean? It looks. It looks like the last season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't want to. So no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't go see it. Yeah, uh, you, I've never seen like, Beauty and the Beast with uh, with Emma Emma Watson. I've never seen. I never saw The Lion King either. So no, I guess I'm. I guess I'm firmly against it because I've never watched it. <laughs> you sound. You sound pretty opposed to me. No, the the. Uh, yeah, I I think animals. Yeah, I think there's something about the 2D cartoon animation that that makes that's a lot more appealing than yeah. than taking a live, you know, an actual lion or something and CGIing it and then trying to make it. Some, I, I don't know the Lion King and the Jungle Book stuff. It's not not for me, you know, not my particular flavor. I guess if you have, I sort of understand the if you have kids and you enjoyed the original movie as a child, now you can sure. go see this one. But just show them the original. Yeah, they'll like they'll like it. It's you know good. what I mean? Yeah, Holds like, up. Oh, yeah, totally. And so, yeah, I'm um, and and the I should uh, do a, a photorealistic cars, which is like real cars <laughs> talking. <laughs> What's that I movie would, where Lindsay Lohan drives a car? Hold on, uh, that would be Herbie fully loaded. Okay, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a Herbie the Herbie the Love Bug reboot from the so, mid mid two thousands. I don't just look like that. Does Herbie you know? talk? And and I think he talks through the radio. I mean, that's Bumblebee. <laughs> I, I forget who talks to the, uh, you know, and, and okay. One more piece of nonsense. Uh -huh. um, there isn't, there isn't a franchise with sillier lore to me than transformers. Sure. Sure. Well, I haven't, so I haven't seen anything past two. I was so right. disappointed by that. All right. uh, I, I dare you to watch the Mark Wahlberg ones. <laughs> I'm I, down. I, when I'm he, down for them to do beast wars though. That's exciting. That was Mark, my jam. Mark Wahlberg playing an inventor from Texas in these in these transformers films i mean i, yeah, I just I it, it's it's uh I, yeah i mean and 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 there's i don't know because I, I remember it as like a toy in a cartoon but but some folks are i mean it is it is serious business to uh 
uh, to, to the hardcore fans and, and, you know, be, be into what you're into. Right? Sure, like, sure, I'm, sure. I'm not, I'm not into shaming folks who are, cause I, cause I'm into some very silly stuff too, I uh, think. but, but it, but that, but that's, and I, and I, I did like the, um, I, I did, I did like the first one. I'm I'm a bit of a, I, I can, I, I can admit at times, Michael Bay's charms uh, work, work, work on me. And sure. often, often it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pass, but there are times uh, when it's, uh, there, there are times when it's, it's exactly what I need. A little additional nonsense. Uh, just a little bit. Transformers 2007. You mentioned you like that first one. I think that movie is underrated and underappreciated as far as like, I think it shaped the MCU and therefore changed Hollywood forever. Uh, if you watch that movie, I think that is like, Cause like in, in you know early two thousands, it's like X Men, it's like you know Sam Raimi Spider Man, like I, people like those movies, but there's a disconnect with what we have now, and it's like two, it was like two thousand eight, it was Dark Knight and uh, Iron Man, which was but right before that, two thousand seven, Transformers, a great movie. They shot it like a disaster movie, like a monster movie, but all these different perspectives. But the dialogue, like Shia LaBeouf, like this is MCU, like they're they're bouncing off of each other. So anyway, Transformers 2007 changed Hollywood forever is what I'm saying. No, I, <laughs> and it's I think, a good movie. Uh, but then the, the second one was just lost me and I'd never watched those Mark Wahlberg ones. Yeah, no, I, I think that the, uh, the the first Transformers, like really like a lot of it worked like a, a yeah. lot, a lot. Of, and and I think for for folks who enjoyed the sequels, you know, some of the stuff that I, I liked from the first Transformers uh, didn't, you know, didn't endure. And and some of the other, you know, but 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 it's uh, no, you're you're right. I think that first one is. On, on top of the fact that it's a miracle, right? That a movie based on what would seem to be a silly subject matter could, could provide such a serious in nature. I mean, they got quips too, but like sure. a movie, like a, a movie with real big stakes, you know, blockbuster, but yeah, I think it provided a blueprint, uh, you know, for, yeah. for a lot of, a lot of other franchises and especially third act blueprint, right? Cause it felt like you had to really bring the biggest battle people had ever seen and keep, keep, trying to one up and and I think Transformers m- maybe played a role in starting that game of one-upsmanship where you just had to have the biggest your your sci-fi action movie needed to have the biggest possible battle in in the in the final in the final act and yeah Transformers I think you're right I think it deserves credit or blame for <laughs> for for, for, uh, for, for, for for launching uh for, for launching a lot of that. I think that's a, that's a, that's a healthy, that's a healthy amount of nonsense. Sure. We got to do right by Optimus Prime. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. I, I'm rooting for Beast Wars. We got to do right by Optimus Prime. That's, but we'll see. I doubt it'll do well. Okay. Uh, Danielson or Okada who wins? Okada, surely. Ooh. I don't know though. Cause Danielson just loves the job. Like yeah. it's his favorite thing. He refuses to win. Like he yeah. goes to Tony Khan's office. Like, don't you dare let me win this. I, I mean, I, bro, I'd pay, I'd pay full price. Like that, that pay per view could just be Okada Danielson. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm totally, I'm totally sold. Okay, Justin, let everyone know how they can follow the outstanding work you do on social media. Yeah, go to, go to, uh, go to buy Justin Lee on Twitter. Um, Yeah, and and right now I'm I'm legally prohibited from uh, promoting. Where I'm I'm away from business right now. Uh, You go to my Twitter, you'll see all about it. I've actually last three days I was at a construction site doing a little work, getting a little extra cash, so I'm really sore. That's so why I'm hanging out just watching Superman today. Uh, but yeah, 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 no, no, no. Go to buy Justin Lee on Twitter, and uh, that's where I'm at. And uh, I'll be back to work soon. Yeah, Justin Lee, always a pleasure, a a, a great time. But right uh, now, to, I'm the Auburn Observer intern for for one day only. <laughs> All right, and so uh, and and Painter, th- this was a this was a free episode, right? 
Yes, just a, a reminder, as always, um, rate, review, subscribe. Um, we appreciate your support of the show. And as always, we appreciate Homefield Apparel premium shirts, homefieldapparel.com. You know the drill, promo code Observer. That's Homefield Apparel. They've got all the shirts. Homefield. All right, so uh, uh, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Auburn Observer podcast justin ferguson should be back the next time uh, we uh, take to the airwaves so looking forward to uh, to hearing all about justin's uh, adventures overseas painter t- take it away to, uh, to to wrap this one up how was the first mailbag you know i i really i really enjoyed it i got some questions about i mean there were a couple of like current auburn events you know questions but there were also uh, you know, some stuff about the, I, I thought the one about the alternate logo, you know, my favorite of the alternate Auburn logos was a, was a fun one. I'm a, I picked the tiger eyes, Justin, you know, I'm, I'm mm. a pro- product of that Tuberville era. And if it looks you, look the, great on the back of a neck roll, like, oh, I was look, just, oh, and, and if you, I, I look, I'm not a proponent of changing the helmet. Sure. If, if you wanted to switch logos on the helmet, I think that would be the one that you put on, on an Auburn helmet. If, if, right. you're, if you're, you know, if you want to do like a, what an 04, 04 commemoration next year or something, you know, I, I I don't know. I'm not kicking. I'm not advocating for this. I want, <laughs> I want the, I want the helmet uh, untouched. And then painter, uh, uh, painter asked me three movies that I think everyone should see. And there was a, at least one comment from someone who enjoyed my choices. I picked three movies from the seventies, Justin, that I'm, yeah. that I, that I just think are on top of being well-made. I think they make some, some points and they're thoughtful and, and just, uh, you know, re- really influential in the genre. I picked network, which, uh, you know, so I, I think is, is a little bit inside baseball. If you work in media or you care about media or news, uh, mm. net net network would be uh, more helpful, but that's, that's a, especially now, if you, if you understand what's going on with the writer's strike, you know, sort of the, uh, the, the vision of the people at the highest level, of uh the, the corporations versus sort of the rank and file folks uh you know on on the ground working at news operations you know i thought i thought network did a really on top of being really clever and and full of great dialogue like i think it does a good job exploring those themes i picked alien uh which okay. you know which is which i i just think is is perfect because i there's a moment in alien that's maybe the most shocking thing i've ever seen in a movie mm-hmm. and i wish I wish every time I see Alien, I wish it was my first time seeing it because it's it's it just to watch Alien for the first time or to watch Alien with someone who is mm. seeing it for the first time. If you don't know what I'm talking about or you don't know what what happens, you know, to sort of incite some of the action in the uh, in, in the film. I mean, I, I can't reckon now it's not for kids. <laughs> but but Alien is a, a an R-rated action sci-fi film that just oh it's 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 uh it's perfect it it really is and then I pick God and then I pick Godfather two which sure. um you know it's just it's just it's Godfather two like right. I think it's it's probably it's pro- if I had to if I had to pick like the best movie made in the studio system I might you know it's, it's probably uh, Godfather two all things considered but but it's uh yeah I picked uh. I picked a couple. You you don't have to give me three, Justin. No, but, gosh. But but, but hit, hit me with a movie that you think folks should should check out. Well, I got, I'll just give you another spicy take. How about this? Since right, I right. I've been, since so I've been cool. on this DC kick, right? Batman nineteen eighty nine has an argument. It's a five star movie, 
and could be the best superhero movie of all time. That is my take. I think it holds up better in 2023 than The Dark Knight holds up in 2023. I watched The Dark Knight, and there's times where I'm kind of like cringing. I, this Batman 1989 whips. The movie's great. The that uh, Michael Keaton may not be the best Batman, but he is the best Bruce. That's I mean Ben Affleck, like we talked about, never got a chance. But you know, uh, as far as who got movies, he's the best Bruce. And the thing is, uh, the Burton sets are phenomenal. And when the sets, I realized this. This was my revelation. When the set is the best part of the movie, that every scene is the good part of the movie. The set is in every scene. So, so a story about the production design on Batman. I believe the gentleman's Please. name was Anton First. He was a production designer uh, in the eighties and nineties who did. I think he did a. I think he did Beetlejuice as well for for Tim Burton. Yeah, and he, his story has a bit of a tragic end. I I think he took his own life instead of going to rehab, but like sort of at, at the end of it. But he was a a brilliant production designer and deserves, I think, a lot of the credit uh, for for Batman working as well. And and since you're talking about the Burton Batmans, I think Returns is a masterpiece. Like I I think the one with Catwoman and DeVito yeah. is is just is just an absolute grand slam home run. Really? Christopher Walken? Yeah, I mean, yeah, oh, he's funny. Man, I, I I love I love I like uh Batman 89 a lot. I yeah. love Batman Returns. Really? I thought Returns kind of unravels at the end, but that's just me. I, I compared what, it to Andrew what, Garfield's Spider-Man. It's one uh, to me they're one and a half good movies. If you turn it off, if you turn it off once once bombs are strapped to penguins, right? <laughs> it's a great movie. It's right? a great movie if you if you pretend like the credits are rolling when they next, when they next time you watch it real quickly. Okay, so Christopher Walken's in it and he's the big bad businessman and then he has a son. The son has one line, and I swear the guy does a walking impression, like to, to have a family resemblance. How do you like, not? How do you not impersonate walking if you get he, the chance? And that... yeah, he's his son, so he does a resemblance of a walking. It's really funny. Watch, next time you watch it, watch out for that. I, I will. I will keep my eyes peeled. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you guys listening. This has been the Auburn Observer Podcast. 